Hello and welcome to this IBR Business Profile, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 35th edition of our program, which aired during the final weekend of August 2020, we introduced you to Ryan Burchett, who, along with his brother Garrett, founded Mississippi River Distilling Company in LeClaire a decade ago. Based upon a common interest in entrepreneurship and a desire to experience the high quality of life found in Iowa. We've been around for 10 years now, and so about 12 years ago, I was working in television in Davenport at uh, the NBC affiliate over here. My brother was living in Dallas, Texas. He used to design highways, and I was a, a TV meteorologist, and he was belly aching that how envious he was that we were living back here in Iowa to raise a family and he wanted to move back here, but he was only going to be able to do his job in a big city. And I caught wind about the state of Iowa was looking at changing the laws to try to uh, get craft distilling going as a tourist attraction, change some of the laws and make it a little more uh, friendly for folks getting started. And so I, I told my brother about this crazy idea. And uh, the more we talked about it, the, we laughed. And then we were like, well, actually, this could be something. Started writing a business plan and Next thing you know, banks were offering us money to do it, and we were too far along for our wives to talk us out of it. And so we were off and running, quitting perfectly good day jobs to go make booze for a living. But um, we've been at it for 10 years now, and uh, it's been exciting to be part of watching the industry grow in Iowa. And uh, just the evolution of what we've covered in 10 years has been pretty incredible. I really love the aspect of the story that says, we're from Iowa. We've gone on to what we thought should be our careers, but we hit a certain point, probably around age 40 or thereabouts, where Mm -hmm. we want to raise the family, we want a good quality of life, and where's the best place to do that, and what is the best way in which to do it? And obviously, if you're working the main programs in television, you're either working late at night or really early in the morning, which is wonderful for the audience, but not great for quality of life. And obviously mm-hmm. your brother didn't want too much to do with a big city at some point either. Right. We both grew up in Harlan, Iowa, a town of about 5,000. My dad and his brothers ran a road construction company together, which still, uh, they're still at it. And, um, we saw a quality of life that came with that. And when I always joked that when you own your own business, you get to pick which 80 hours a week you work, but it's true in that, uh, you know, it provides some flexibility. You're not answering to other people. You're answering, you know, just to yourselves, which can be good and bad, but we did see a quality of life that, uh, that we grew up with that uh, maybe, you know, especially for Garrett being in uh, Dallas, what wasn't there and something that we grew to appreciate, you know, kind of one of those don't know what you got till it's gone scenarios. And uh, here in the Quad Cities, you know, uh, living in and around Davenport, you have a lot of the big city amenities without the the headaches that go with that. And we're, you know, we have a close proximity to Chicago and St. Louis and Des Moines. And so it just came together. It's really funny. Neither of us are from over here, but both of our wives uh, and us, our entire family, save we have one sister in the Twin Cities, all now live here and none of us are from here. So it's kind of funny that this is where it all ended up being, but it, it certainly has has provided that quality of life that we were looking for. And it's a huge reason why we sit here. So from an aspirational standpoint, for someone listening who says, I've got an idea, I want to do something. Maybe it's not craft distilling, but something. You talk to your brother, you think, well, I wonder this could be kind of a a good adventure. And then you said you worked on a business plan. What goes into concept of business to 
when you finally have some money from a bank and say, we're going to start? That has to be a period of time and a lot of steps. People talk about a business plan. Well, can I see your business plan? That needs to be a, a living, breathing document that not only brings you from concept to opening, but even beyond that, you know, it was kind of funny to look back over our shoulder after about five years and see how many benchmarks we had hit from that original business plan. We actually did pretty good. The only problem was we hit them for reasons we never expected. Um, but, you know, a business plan is something you're just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what's sticking and really let people beat it up and tell you all the reasons why you can't do this. Because if you don't figure those things out on the front side, there's enough things that are going to come your way that you don't expect that you should try to head off as much of it at the pass and surround yourself with good people. Know what you don't know and give that stuff over to the experts. You know, if you're going to hire something out, hire the stuff that you're not very good at because you cannot do it all. And that was one thing that Garrett and I figured out really quick. We were both trying to do the same things, you know, and, and stuff was falling through the cracks. And so we figured out, you know, okay, we got to divide and conquer. Here's the things that are on your plate. Here's the things that are on my plate. And while we have input for everything, you know, the buck has to stop with somebody. And so make sure you surround yourself with good people, share where you can. If you try to do it all yourself, you'll bury yourself and, and uh, just go find people who have successful businesses outside of your area of expertise or whatever you're trying to do, let them beat up your plan. Let them tell you all the reasons why you're crazy and then uh, keep going back to the table and figuring out ways around that. And one of two things is going to happen. Either it's going to completely derail the whole thing and it's going to save you a couple million dollars or you're going to find a way. And that's what business is all about. Finding a way, you know, uh, when a pandemic pops up, when a derecho runs through the state, when whatever crazy thing is coming your way, you got to figure out how you don't have the ability to just step back and say, well, someone else is going to take care of it because that doesn't exist. How does one start a business like yours? Because you need to be distinctive. You need to come up with your own recipes and all of that. How does it start? You know, for us, uh, we were very fortunate. We hooked up with a company out of Southern Germany when we first started, and they were just getting introduced to the United States, selling their marketing, their equipment. And so they really worked very closely with us from a business planning standpoint, from a recipe development standpoint. And it's been great. They've become family friends of ours. I mean, my mom went and spent the summer, 10 days in Germany last summer with these guys and, and with their family and their daughters come and lived with us for a couple summers, things like that. And so we were very fortunate. We just, we hooked up with the right people, but it's an interesting industry right now because of everything that's going on in the consumer world, as far as people's interest and uh, desire for local. And it is really a credit to the craft brewing boom. People now don't go looking for the town pub. They go looking for the town brewery or they go, you know, what's local when they come to a restaurant? Is there something local while I'm traveling through? I want to try these different flavors. And it's created a really adventurous consumer, which is good and bad because there's not the brand loyalty that, you know, uh, when my dad's generation came up, there might've been a guy who drank Jack and Coke every day of his life for the last 50 years. But younger consumers especially are very adventurous. They're, they're loyal more to from a regional standpoint than from, to a specific brand standpoint. It's created a place in the market that is really unique and different and fun to evolve with. And, you know, we started off 10 years ago, people were saying, you make your own what? And now, you know, we'll go to a IV store and talk to a liquor store manager. Okay, you're making whiskey. Well, how old is it? What's the grain bill? What's happening? You know, how did this come to be? And 
for us, everything has always been about being authentically tied to the place where we're from. And that is on the banks of the Mississippi River, right here off of I-80 in Eastern Iowa. And all of our grain comes from farmers within 25 miles of the distillery. We get it in the raw, we work with the farmers, we mill it here, we do everything from the raw grain to the final bottling. Because we built the business around tourism, we wanted to be authentic. And that authentic nature of what we do has just really paid more dividends than we would have ever dreamt because that's what people want. They want to know that it's a real deal, that it's from here, and that it's something that they can stand up and say, hey, I'm from Iowa. Try this great Iowa bourbon or try our Iowish cream liqueur, whatever it might be that they can share with their friends and share the story. And in our case, the story is real. And so that's important. And now that you've done it for a decade, you've established your own brand so that when you come out with a new product, you may have customers much more willing to try it, not just because it's authentic in its separate marketing, but because they know it has a tie to your company. That's kind of starting to set in now that we've been at this 10 years. It just feels like we've been fighting an uphill battle for so long for brand recognition. And it's like all of a sudden people are, you know, reaching out to us, say, hey, you know, I got your got your whiskey at uh, in Council Bluffs or, hey, we, we, you know, we try it all the time up in Mason City. We get it at this place. And it's so fun to see people start to put the pieces together or they come through the door, you know, here in LeClaire, we're the home of the American Pickers. That brings a lot of folks to town. And then they, they go around and they come through our door. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I, I've had this before. I, I love this stuff. I didn't know this was you guys or whatever. So it's fun to see some of that starting all that work over the, over a decade starting to bear some fruit here now. And so you have the ability for people to come in, tour the plant, get a sense of what everything looks like. That has to still amaze people, doesn't it? If they've never actually seen the process to be able to go through start to finish and do it close to home. Because I can remember being a kid, you go to see the Clydesdales in St. Louis and you walk through the plant and it's not terribly interesting necessarily. This is something where they can talk to the owner And they're right up close to it. And it's still, again, distinct enough that it can draw people in and and help ratchet up their interest. Well, it's the biggest investment we ever made in marketing was our own time. When we first opened, we started doing five free public tours a day. And so at the time, there was only two of us working here. So you couldn't do anything around here for more than 15, 20 minutes. You're getting pulled aside to do something else. But we stayed with that from the beginning. And, and, you know, you're creating a situation where that person is going to be an ambassador for you leaving this place. They're investing 20, 30 minutes of their time, you know, hearing all about who you are, what you are. You know, you you couldn't accomplish that in a TV commercial or no offense, a radio program. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. have to, you know, you get that personal connection and then they have a story that they can take with that bottle home with them. And that is what we are all about when we talk about craft spirits and uh, about, you know, being a true, what we call grain to glass distillery. We're going right from the field all the way to the bottle right here in this building. And that story is so critical to our success for people to be able to share that and see it up close and personal. I'm looking at your website, which is mrdistilling.com. And I'm looking under a drop down menu of spirits that lists all your different varieties. Mm-hmm. I can't even count how many. I mean, how many different <laughs> things do you have between seasonal and things that are available 12 months a year? To be honest with you, I can't answer that question either. I'd have to <laughs> go in and, and look. We do a lot of one-off seasonal projects where we'll find a local ingredient. Like, for example, we make a strawberry vodka with a local berry patch every summer. It's one of our biggest seasonals where we distill vodka with berries in the still and, and it's 
it's fantastic. But, you know, we just make it once a year and we'll have, you know, a few hundred bottles and when it's gone, it's gone. And so we do a lot of those that kind of come and go and that schedule changes every year. Our big brand is Cody Road. Buffalo Bill Cody was born just a couple blocks up the street. And uh, so the highway, US Highway 67, as it rolls through town here, where our distillery sits, is called Cody Road. And so that's what we use to name our uh, whiskeys. And so we have bourbon, rye, we have a honey bourbon uh, flavored with local honey from Jackson County. We work with Great River Maple in Garnavillo, Iowa to make a maple Cody Road. We have ready to drink cocktails like an old fashioned and, uh, and a Manhattan that fall under that brand too. One of our biggest sellers in Iowa right now is our Iowish cream which is kind of our take on Bailey's only. I always say it tastes better and it's cheaper. So those are my two favorite selling points. But uh, we use uh, real cream and coffee from the Iowa Coffee Company in Runnels. It's got a little cinnamon sugar in it, but it's a, it's a great sipper and one that folks really like. Probably it's, it's starting to nose up towards our, our bourbon as our number one seller. So it's, it's become pretty popular here in Iowa. Uh, but we do make a lot of different things, mainly just to keep it interesting um, for us and for our customers that come out to the distillery. Whenever we release something new, you know, folks like to come back out, grab a bottle, see what new is going on and that kind of thing. So that's why the list has gotten so long. Not all those products are still available today, but uh, it just keeps the creative juices flowing, I guess. My count said nearly 40. So that's an awful wow. lot. That's, I'm surprised. I would have guessed 25, 30. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I saw on the, on the website. And again, seasonal plus the things you have on a regular basis. Yeah. What's the challenge for you right now? So you're 10 years in. There's a level of maturity to the business, as you noted. Mm-hmm. What's the greatest challenge that you face now? We spent a lot of time when we first started trying to you know, grow the company coast to coast. And we found out that as the industry grew, you know, we used to be able to sell a lot of whiskey in New York City and Dallas, Texas and Washington, D.C. because there weren't other craft distilleries around. When we started, there were about 200 in the country. Now there's over 2000. Those markets have dried up for us as, you know, people are buying the local stuff, which they should. So our challenge now has been we're actually contracting markets, trying to focus on what's close to home, because if the distillery in Washington, D.C. is going to uh, own that market, then we need to own this one. And so we're really investing, spending time in Iowa and Illinois, in our backyard, where our grain comes from. And frankly, over 85% of our sales come from these two states. So we're spending some more time this year, really focusing on central Iowa, on Des Moines, Ames, expanding our the time that we spend in Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, Waterloo, those kind of areas, just to make sure people understand that we are an Iowa product, that we're from here, um, our grain is from here, and that helping them to hear our story, which a lot of folks still haven't across the state, and that's because we've just kind of been a little guy growing up, but we're getting there, and so uh, we're just trying to raise our visibility here in our own backyard so that you know there's room for everybody across the country as this industry continues to grow. Let me ask you finally, I just asked about the challenges. What are some of the most rewarding things? Because what I have found is that people who, whether they run a winery, whether they are involved in craft beer, or in this case, craft distilling, there's an enthusiasm for this that it's almost infectious. So what's the most gratifying thing to you at this point? You know, it, it's still cool to walk into a restaurant or bar and unexpectedly see your bottle behind the bar. That never gets old. That's still pretty cool. But I think right now, standing in the shadow of what has happened over the past, or, you know, whatever 2020 is here, I just think that it has brought a keen awareness to how nimble you have to be as a small business to get through things like this. 
And I look back through the 10 years right now of this company, and we have grown and changed and evolved so much. And it has kept it so interesting to, you know, if you take a slice of this business's life over that 10 years and compare it to any other one, it's changed. We've opened a bar. We've, you know, we've expanded uh, what we make. We've made hand sanitizer during COVID. We, you know, we've responded to all these challenges and we're still standing here 10 years later. I think that's probably the thing that, that right now I'm most aware of as far as just uh, the satisfaction that it delivers to me to look around at the great people that we have working here and the great things that they've been able to do to make sure that, that we didn't just throw our hands up in the air and say, that's enough, we're, we're done. And, and we're sitting in a good position despite all those challenges right now. And so that I'm really proud of that. And it, it's what keeps me coming back to work every day is, well, what's next? And I think everybody feels like, all right, 2020, what's next? <laughs> uh, bring it on because uh, we're going to figure it out. And again, going back to the challenges of this year, I just want to remind people that if you have a brewery, a distillery, a restaurant in your backyard that you just love. Go do them a favor and spend a couple bucks there today. Buy a gift card, save it for later. Pick up a bottle, pick up a six pack. Think local, think about where your dollars are going and how they, you know, we, we, we say that all the time, buy local and that kind of thing. But this is real life right now. I think, especially as people start to lose their patios and things like that, that have made some hay during the summer months, there is going to be a crisis in the hospitality industry, no matter what happens over the next couple of months, just because they're just simply not built for this. And so I would just encourage people, whether it's a bottle of Cody Road, we'd love it if you find one of those, but um, whoever is in your backyard that, that you want to make sure sees daylight on the other side of this, show them a little love here over the next few months because they're going to need it. Ryan Burchett. He and his brother Garrett are the owners of Mississippi River Distilling in LeClaire, online at mrdistilling.com. From grain to glass, as they say, and all the grain comes from the surrounding area. We spoke via Zoom on August 24th. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report, radio program, and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras and IBR business profiles. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.